Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Welcome to the Pistons Talk Podcast. And you guessed it, we'll only be talking about the Detroit Pistons. I'm Lance Caparossi. Follow me on Twitter at Lance Caparossi. Follow my co-host Anthony at Pistons Talk across all social media platforms. After you do that, go to Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And then subscribe, rate us, and drop a comment. But more importantly, tell a Pistons fan. Let's get this started, man. Um, I'm blanking on the dude's name. Is it Sam Quinn? Is he the basketball writer? Yeah, yeah, okay. he is. So Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, do they both make rookie teams? He dropped his two rookie teams. He didn't put a fifth member on the second team. I think he had Duran in the running. The thing I don't like is he they do have Benedict Matherin on. He did have Benedict Matherin on the first team, which I think he's a solid player. Benedict Matherin is great for Indiana. He had a great first half of the season, but he slowed down where and then Ivy started to pick up steam in the second half. So if you're gonna, my thing was, I think I believe he kind of discredited Jaden Ivy a little bit by saying, you know, he hasn't done it for a full season. That's why I can't have him on the first team. But neither has Benedict Matherin. So how can you have? I don't understand that. But um, what are your thoughts on Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran both making the rookie teams? So before I do contribute, I, I I think we should give some context of like who he had on his rookie team before we kind of like uh, say why we think Jalen Duran and yeah. Um, I have blanked on Jaden Ivey's name. I apologize, Jaden Ivey. So for this guy's list for uh, NBA teams, and this guy tweets a lot, holy shit. Or I think, did he delete it? Um, I'm actually looking for it right now, and just give me a second. But I think on the first team, he had Paolo Bancaro, Walker Kessler, wow. Jalen Williams, <laughs> Benedict Matherin, and I'm blanking on the fifth person, but... Yeah, it looks like he deleted it. Um, shout out to Pistons Twitter. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think his teams were that bad though. I didn't know, I but I, I did want to give some context. Uh, like you said, he he left Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern off uh, the All Rookie First Team. Um, I would argue that Jaden Ivey has been consistently um, 
in the Kia NBA rookie ladder, rookie of the year race with Paulo Bancaro basically all year, just the last maybe month and a half or so. Um, he's kind of left out, and that's because Jalen Williams in OKC is playing out of his mind. Yeah. And Walker Kessler is just turning into this elite shot blocker and just a guy that's just really fundamentally sound. Um, and that's not discrediting either of those guys. I think Jaden Ivey is still one of the better rookies out of this draft class. But to say that you wouldn't put him, you know, in for all first team because he hasn't been doing it all season. Well, you know, his role has changed. Like in the beginning of the season, he was playing off ball. Now he's the lead guard. Even with Killian Hayes out there, he's still the lead guard, in my opinion. Killian Hayes is just passing the ball 90% of the time. Um, so I would have Jaden Ivey in my first team. Um, I think you could even make an argument for Duran in the first team too, but like you got Walker Kessler in there. So if he makes second team, I'm not mad at it, but to have, you know, Jaden Ivey out of there, I thought it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a hot take, but I, I think it was kind of suspect because I, I, I feel Jaden Ivey has been one of the better rookies out of this draft class so far. Yeah, it's, this is what he says. Ivey is one of the best five right now, not, but not over the full season. I don't. If he's one of the best right now, then you should probably put him on the list because him and Benedict Matherin's seasons aren't that different. And I'm not arguing for the other four. I'm just arguing over Benedict Matherin. That's all I'm doing. But the other four he has on second team are Jabari Smith, which who he hasn't done it all season either. That's what I don't get. If you're acknowledging Jabari Smith for just kind of turning it on lately, you know, past the All-Star break, you could say then you should be giving more credit to Jaden Ivey. Again, I don't want to say it's Detroit versus everybody, but again, that's what it feels like, right? <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. And then just to kind of leave J- just to leave Jalen Duren off the second team and just go with four is kind of disrespectful in itself too. Like you're making cases for everybody else, but you're not making cases for the fifth person on that second team. Yeah, like I said, it kind of just seemed like a, a hot take post. Um Maybe he hasn't watched a whole lot of Detroit Pistons basketball, and I mean, who could blame him? I mean, 16 wins for the season. Uh, most of the time, it seems like we're playing for behind. If we do have a lead, it doesn't last long. But uh, to say that, you know, Jaden Ivey hasn't really, you know, been consistent this season, I, I, I think it is true. But to me, I think he's one of the better rookies um, out of this draft class. And this whole clip came from Mike Brown saying if you don't have Keegan Murray in your NBA first team, I don't know what to tell you. He's like, he, he thought it was bullshit that, you know, a lot of these NBA reporters, you know, they're having their, their podcast like we do, talk about maybe we don't have Keegan Murray in our NBA first team, which I think Mike Brown has a point too for Keegan Murray because he's played really well in Sacramento. Sacramento is one of the top teams out in the Western Conference. I just think this is such a stacked uh, rookie class and, the fact that, you know, the, the, the Pistons got two of the lottery picks this year, um, I, I think it's crazy, man, because they're, they're two building blocks, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. And Keegan Murray, he's about to break. I think he's on the verge of breaking the all-time three-point rookie record, and he's shooting about 40% from the three-point line. He's been fantastic for the Kings. Fits in perfectly with what they're trying to do. But do you, let me ask you, do you think Jalen Dern and Jaden Ivey both make rookie teams this year? I, I do. I, I think they'll they'll probably both make the second team. Um, mm-hmm. j- just for the simple fact that they, they've both had moments where 
Uh, they've looked great. I, I For Jalen Dern, I, I think he can go to the San Antonio Spurs game when he just put up monster stats. Even though the game, they had to go to overtime, and I believe the Pistons didn't lose that game if memory serves correctly. But, you know, I think that was kind of his, like, breakout, like, rookie season moment. Um, I think he's had moments where he's protected the rim. He's had moments where he's had really good passes. Uh, the, the last game against the Raptors, um, you know, he was having dimes. Um, I think Jaden Ivey has shown that he's going to be a problem for years to come. So I, I think if he would make a case, I think Ivey has a better chance of making the first team than Duran does. And that's not saying that Duran hasn't played well. He's kind of had the play behind Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley and not really get, you know, a bulk of the minutes. Yeah, it's been um, – and, you know, he's been injured. He's been he's missed a handful of games because of injury. But I think they both make rookie teams. I think there's a small push towards the end of the season where Jaden Ivey makes the first team. Hopefully a couple of these voters wake up and recognize the progress and the development he has made as a player during his rookie year. So hopefully he just gets the credit. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like this was a fun topic. Um, I, I'm sure when they don't make – you know, first or second team will probably just say it's bullshit to keep doing it to us, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, it, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, we all thought Paulo Bancaro was going to win Rookie of the Year. Now you got these media members saying it's Jalen Williams is the favorite. Yep. They're, they're going to Scotty Barnes him. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens to him, but it would be a crazy push by Jalen Williams to win rookie of the year in the final few weeks of the season. That would just be incredible. But um, let's move on. This next topic is going to get a few people heated because nobody likes to talk about this guy. But Dwayne Casey, will he be back as head coach next season? He had a quote earlier, and I don't remember the whole thing, but he had one little part in there that got people talking, and he was saying, talking about next year. Yeah, I, I, I can read you that quote if you want. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I, I saw this quote from Mike Curtis – and it, I was like, okay, it kind of, it's it's kind of like a hint that the Pistons aren't probably going to move on for him. So th- this is the quote. This is uh, Dwayne Casey on making mistakes next season. He said, you don't get any playing time if you continue to make the same mistakes. He said, this year, we've allowed guys to play through some mistakes. Next year, there's not going to be any excuses. He's back. He's coming back next year. That's what that means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you can kind of like, I, I, I don't know. You you can assume he's back from that quote, but like I said, Tom Gores could just you know be Tom Gores and say you know, hey, I, I want to win. I, I've been rebuilding for since we traded Andre Drummond, and we haven't really you know won anything. But I don't really think that's going to be the case. I I think they're going to let him um, finish out his contract. I know Pistons fans don't want to hear that. I think there's a, a bulk of Pistons fans. I would probably say at least 85% of Pistons fans that just want to move on. They want yeah. a fresh face. They want some new blood in there. And, I, you know, you can't really blame them. Um, you know, Casey did have a, a interview with the Toronto Sun talking about how, you know, uh, doing a rebuild or being a coach during a rebuild is miserable because, you know, uh, development can get very dark. You don't get a whole lot of wins. Um, and he, he kind of like opened up about it of like how it's been really tough on him mentally of trying to just coach these guys and, you know, develop them and try to get winning habits. But he's like, you don't get a whole lot of winning habits when you have 16 wins. So, um, 
true. I, I, I feel for him, but like like I said, I, I won't be surprised if he's you know the head coach uh, next season. Uh, look, I'm I'm with that 85%. I want to see someone new. I just don't think it happens this year, this offseason. It's going to be Dwayne Casey. I strongly believe he deserves an opportunity to coach the Detroit Pistons when they are healthy. They are not healthy this year. He deserves that opportunity just like – and, I mean, the only reason I'm saying he deserves it's not like he's an incredibly – an incredible coach. He He's just under contract. It's He got the team to the playoffs with Blake Griffin. It's been a rebuild for a couple of seasons now. He deserves an opportunity to win a few games and go out on a high note. That is the fair thing to do with Dwayne Casey. Because, look, they're not winning anything any anyways next year. So who cares if he's there or not? As long as, you know, guys keep making progress and developing, that is all I'll ask. I'm, I'm Well, I want a few more wins next year, too. Give me a chance at the play-in, too, with a healthy roster, with the development. I'm okay with it. But – Coach Casey, I, I'm confident he'll be back next season as the head coach. Yeah, so do I. I'm not really surprised by it. I mean, there's not really, you know, marquee names available. I mean, you, you you talk to Pistons fans, like, you know, let's go get Mark Jackson. I mean, you could take a shot at it. I mean, you know, the, the Kings interviewed him. It was between him and Mike Brown, and they chose Mike Brown, and I don't think they've regretted it at all. Um, like I said, they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference, so shout out to them for that. Um but, I mean, outside of Mark Jackson, I'm like, who are names that are, like, really available? I mean, uh, we had James Edwards on. He mentioned Juwan Howard from Michigan. I don't want yeah. Juwan Howard towards uh, even, like, being the Pistons coach because he can't even coach Mich- Michigan basketball, man. Like, he's getting top recruits, and he's they didn't even make the tournament this year, man. Like, I don't bad. want Juwan Howard near the Pistons. Love jo- I love Juwan Howard. I just don't want him anywhere near the Pistons. Uh, James mentioned Jay Wright. I doubt Jay Wright is going to coach the Detroit Pistons. I doubt that's going to happen. And I also wonder how it would be tough for Jay Wright to implement a system into the NBA. I feel like a lot of those college coaches are, they're really good at the college game because they're, you know, the, the young people still look up to them where, and they have like some, they can hold players accountable more in college than you can in the NBA. So when you're trying to write a tighter, a tighter offensive system where it requires a little bit more discipline, you have to be able to get on guys. I don't feel like you can do that in the NBA when guys are making way more money than you and people are paying to see them. I yeah. just don't think it would really work. But um, yeah, again, Dwayne Casey think he's going to be back next season. Let's let's talk about Isaiah Stewart though. Another off-season topic. His new contract, Nick Richards, he signed what what was his contract for? Is it for like 11 or 12 million a year? Or was it 3 I think I it was it right like here. 3 years 15 million. Okay. So it was 5 million per year. Um, wow. Yep, 3 years 15 million. Yep, I okay, I got that pulled up. Nice. Um what about Isaiah Stewart? What do you think he makes on his new contract? Um this is really tough because I'm probably the worst person to ask in terms of like contracts because I always undervalue the player and I'm a cheap bastard. I, I will just say that right now. Okay. Um, asking me what I would value at Isaiah Stewart may come off disrespectful and just know it, I, I, I love Isaiah Stewart. Uh, I think very highly of him, but a number I would be comfortable with giving him is like seven to nine million a year. That's it. Ooh. Okay. Like I okay. said, I'm the, I'm the worst person when in terms of like contracts. Like I I just I think he has value on the Pistons, but I'm not willing to break the bank to keep him. Like I I think what he does is you see a lot of guys in the NBA 
do what Isaiah Stewart does. Uh, or, uh, do uh, you know he's a high energy guy? Like I think of a Montrez Harrell, like I think of Isaiah Stewart. I'll, yeah, like Montrez Harrell obviously can't stretch the floor like Isaiah Stewart, but I mean Montrez Harrell got the bag a couple of years ago. Um, like I said, I I could see the Pistons, you know, giving him like close to what Marvin Bagley got. You know, it's just. I know, there's, I know there's value there. Like, like I said, I'm the worst person to kind of like ask because I always undervalue the player just because I was just like, I, I, I just don't, I don't see the value of, you know, keeping a guy that's undersized that, you know, some nights, you know, he, he has the advantage other nights he doesn't, but I think he's valuable. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go above like a $10 million price point. Yeah. I think he gets, Nine million is not bad for what he brings, though, especially since he's going to be like the fourth big man on this team because it's going to go Duran. You know, they they traded for Wiseman. We talked about this last week. The future is probably the two big lineups with Duran and Wiseman. That's probably what you want to work out the most. Isaiah Stewart, he doesn't have that unique of a skill set, but he has a skill set that fits the Pistons, like you said, but it also makes it so he can play with Duran or Wiseman or Marvin Bagley. He has made himself – uh, gave himself enough versatility to play with each of those guys on the offensive end. And defensively, he can't protect the paint like some fives, but he can still do a decent job. Like, he can get a body on guys. He can switch, make guys on, on the perimeter uncomfortable. You just don't want to put him out there full time. He has he has a pretty good skill set. I think $9 million is fair. I think he gets paid closer to twelve, just because – you know, NBA salary cap, that goes up, it seems like, almost every offseason. Yeah. So, you know, $12 million, what would have seemed like a lot a couple seasons ago is just like pocket change at this point. I think $12 million might even be a low end. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if Isaiah Stewart maybe even made a little bit more in that role, depending on, you know, how much teams are can yeah, afford. Yeah, it's – it's hard for me, man. Like I always undervalue players. Like I, I remember when I was doing a live broadcast with um, Koo from Lockdown Pistons and Bryce from um, Pistons Pulse. We were talking about Sadiq Bay and what an extension for him would be. And I said, you know, most I would probably give Sadiq Bay is like eight million. Yeah, and you see Sadiq Bay is trying to get close to an eighty million dollar contract, so he's asking for like fifteen million, almost twenty million per year it's just like i'm like the worst person to probably ask like what a player should ask for free agency or contract i would probably be the worst gm too because i would just like i oh, ain't worth the max <laughs> like i'd probably give you like 10 million i'm just a cheap bastard like i said but um i i don't know man like because wiseman's i think wiseman not this year but the year after is going to be making close to 15 million mm. So it's like, I, I think Wiseman, obviously being a first overall pick, I think he, he's kind of earned that $15 million. He's He's played phenomenal, but like I love Stewart too. I, I think he, he's something that a lot of Pistons fans love, kind of have that blue-collar mentality, just, you know, tough out there, competes on every play. But, dude, like $12 million, like most of your money would be in the front court. If you think about it that way, oh, like, that's interesting. Yeah, like you, you have Bagley at twelve million. You still have Duran on a rookie deal for a couple more seasons. Um, Wiseman is still on his first overall pick rookie deal, but like I said, it's I think he's making twelve this year. He's making the same as Bagley, if not maybe a couple pennies more. 
I, I don't know. Do you really want to commit all that money to the front court when this is more of a, you know, a perimeter type of league now where, you know, you, you need more, you need wings and three point shooters and outside of, you know, Stewart really, I, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable like locking up all of my cap space in the front court. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think 12 million is that bad though for him in today's NBA. I don't like, I mean, if he signed a three year, $36 million deal, I, I mean, I don't love it, but also at the same time, I don't hate it. You know, I mean, now if he's coming in like a three-year, $45 million deal, it's like, whoo, you know, that's a lot of money for a fourth big. But again, NBA salary cap is just going up and contracts are just getting larger, you know. You know, the you know, like the minimum is going to be what Hami gets, you know, I feel like in a few seasons. You know, $5 million per year is probably going to be the minimum for a guy. So I, I just yeah. think the – I mean, I do think you're right with Isaiah Stewart that nine million mark seems fair. It's just in today's NBA, it's probably going to be a little bit more, and we're just going to have to live with it. Yeah, I mean, you you could see a team. Uh, I'll give. I always use Charlotte as the example, just because they've been in a very poorly run franchise. But you could see a team like the Hornets. Let's just say we offer them nine. Hornets would say we'll offer you fifteen. Yeah, like there's always going to be an NBA team kind of like lurking of like what you have because maybe they see Stewart as more of just, you know, a stretch forward to shoot a bunch of threes. And so defend. <laughs> let me ask you this. What is the amount of money per year? You'd say goodbye to Isaiah Stewart too. Like if a team team offer, like you're saying like Charlotte, they offered him a contract. What's the price point where you're like, I'm okay. If the Pistons not matching on that. I, I think I said a couple of minutes ago, my highest price point for Isaiah Stewart would be 10 million a year. Okay. I, I think if you get beyond that, you, you kind of have to question, um, what you're doing, because even though we're a small market, even though, you know, we haven't won a whole lot of games, you still have to be smart enough to know saying, okay, I love Isaiah Stewart. We drafted him. He's developed quite a bit since we have drafted him, but you don't want to break the bank to keep a guy that's, if I'm being honest, a role player on any other playoff or a yeah. championship level team um like i said i think 10 million is fair i think he'll probably get that um with troy weaver i know troy weaver loves isaiah stewart he's very high on isaiah stewart it's the one guy that you know you, you talk to media members they, they think isaiah stewart could be a piston for life like that's how highly the organization thinks of him and that's how highly troy weaver thinks of him so i know we're just speculating of like what he could possibly get but like i said 10 million to me is just like if you're you know, 12, 13, 14 million. It's just like, you know, you, you kind of have to think about what you're doing as an organization. And like, you, you keep talking about like, oh, you know, the CBA, you know, the, yeah. the contracts are going up. They haven't even agreed on a new CBA agreement yet. So, you know, the salary cap hasn't yeah. gone up yet. Um, there's still talks um, with owners, um, with players not playing back to backs. Um, you, you got guys like Kawhi Leonard who, you know, seems like he sits out like half the season and just yeah. turns it on around this time of year. So, I mean, you know, there's still talks about CBA. So we, we really don't know where the salary cap is headed. Um, but I, I think it, you know, a deal will get done with that, but back to like the Stewart situation, like I said, 10 million to me, that's my price point. I don't know about what your price point would be. I, th I think you said like 12 million is fair. Yeah, but like I said, for me, I think I would walk away if it came to that. If he's a piston for life, when I compared him to Nick Collison, that was just perfect. There we go. He's a piston for life. We're gonna hang his jersey in the rafters. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I guess I love Isaiah Stewart. You, you won't find a bigger Isaiah Stewart fan. Like, I, I love him, but like, I, I, I take my fandom off a little bit. I try to be a realist. Yeah, I had to look at what other teams would pay. Like, could you see the Warriors breaking the bank to keep a Kevon Looney? No, not at all. And I don't want the Pistons to do it with Isaiah Stewart. I just want it to be fair, though. That's all I want. Yeah, like I, I think ten mil is fair. You give them like three years, ten million. That's thirty million. I mean, that's pretty fair to me. That's a good amount. You're right. I mean, I agree. Like, I agree that nine or ten million is fair for him. I just think it's going to be a little higher with today's NBA, and hopefully, it's not too high where it straps the Pistons. But we'll see. Yeah, but I, I think it's what's really interesting is Troy Weaver hasn't really spent a whole lot on acquisitions. Like, if you think about it, like. Marvin Bagley is his highest re-signing. Yeah. Which is $12 million. He doesn't spend a whole lot on free agents or re-signing people. So I think that's that's that to me is a GM that you know can kind of you know remove himself from saying, yeah. okay, I like you, but I don't like you that much. I agree. I agree. Um, let's talk about the first guy he re-signed, Marvin Bagley. Is he the most versatile big on the roster? Now that he's came back and from being injured off the IR, he has played phenomenal basketball, like for at least a handful of those games where he had one, at least one 2020 game and on the verge of a couple others. I mean, just rebounding the ball. Well, I mean, passing, like there was this pass he had the other night, I believe to James Wiseman, beautiful entry pass. And it was off outside of the perimeter. I'm like, man, if you could just get him a consistent three point shot with that length on the outside and that ability to see and make that pass, I'm not saying you got a Hall of Fame player, but you got a really good role player off your bench that could spot start. So my question to you is, is Marvin Bagley the most versatile big on this roster? So and when you say versatile, do you mean being able to play both the forward and the center position? Yeah, I'm just... mainly talking about offensively too. Like, you know, kind of he can bring it outside a little bit. He has another, he can shoot mid-range jumpers. You could trust him on the block. I'm just wondering if he's the most, and he can kind of put the ball on the ground a little bit. He was showing some kind of some plays like that the other night too, where I was like, wow, I'm kind of impressed with what he can do. If he, this guy can stay healthy, it's going to, he's going to be fun to watch for a couple seasons. I, I think he would be to me, if, if I would have to rank our bigs, I would have him number two. Ooh, wow. Okay. I think James Wiseman to me is the most versatile big that we have. Okay. Because I've seen in short stints since he's been here that he likes to work in the post. Yeah. And I think that's going to be his bread and butters in the post. James Wiseman has a very good post game. I think him and Marvin, Marvin Bagley are very similar in terms of post play. I think Marvin Bagley is just a little bit better. Um, you know, Wiseman to me, if he develops a, a mid-range jump shot, going to be scary. Wiseman yeah. has shown the ability to, you know, knock a three-pointer down once in a while. Um, so is Bagley, but I, I think Wiseman to me is just a little bit more versatile in terms of how you can scheme and how you can use him. But I think to your point, Bagley is really close. I think it's like a 1A and 1B. They're like neck and neck for me. I, I think what separates those two in terms of versatility, I think Wiseman, his ability to run the floor to me, it, it just kind of separates Bagley. Not to say Bagley can't. Wiseman's just more athletically gifted in my opinion. But I, I think Bagley, to me, is such a great post player. And I think that's actually very um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's a luxury to have. Yeah. A, a guy like Marvin Bagley off of your bench. 
um, because he can get you that 14 and seven, as we always say, like, what's the average around 14 and seven? Um, to me, I, he would be number two on my list. And, you know, if we're just going to, you know, complete the list, I would have Duran three and Stewart four. Well, okay. Let me just say, when you were talking, I was thinking the one, the biggest difference between James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley, where I might give James Wiseman edge was in transition. He like, there are times where he gets a, he blocks a shot and he just takes off and starts running. And he's one that he's like, usually the first guy down the floor. It's incredible to see a guy, his size run the floor like that. It's, I mean, I have, it, I, I do not mind him being number one. If that's how you want to rank him, that's fine with me. That's, I have no argument. I do have an argument, though, and I would say I think Isaiah Stewart right now would be number three just because of the three-point shot because he's good defensively. He does have nice footwork, and he has a nice touch around the rim where he can bring it in the post. And we've actually seen him beat guys off the dribble when they've closed out on him and they try to run him off that three-point line. I would give him the odd over Jalen Duran, but Jalen Duran is such a special player, you know. I mean, but the thing that Jalen Duran probably has over Isaiah Stewart, especially now, is the passing, especially mm-hmm. the passing, the vision he showed us these last couple of games. But I, if I were to say Wiseman's number one and Bagley's number two, agree with you on that, I'll just take uh, Isaiah Stewart at number three, then Duran at number four. I think the reason why I had Duran at three is, like you said, the passing. Yeah. But what really separates Duran for me, I think potentially, is he could have a face-up game in a few seasons. Yeah, and he's shown the ability to protect the rim and block shots, like that block he had against the Miami Heat, um, where he was protecting the rim. I know you always compare Duran to uh, Dwight Howard. That yeah. was very Dwight Howard esque with that block. So that's probably why I would have. Jalen Duran, number three in terms of versatility, because I, I think, um, like you always mention with Isaiah Stewart's footwork, I think Jalen Duran's footwork is on par with Stewart's. I think Stewart's a little bit quicker, but it's not to say I don't like Isaiah Stewart. I, I just think the potential with Duran yeah. to me, if you're saying ver- them being versatile, I think Duran could play the four. He could play the five. He's big enough. So that that's probably where I would rank him. And I love it. You know, we're talking about Bagley being the most versatile big, and then we're like ranking our whole front court. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to it's fun to talk about. I mean, Marv, like I said, man, Marvin Bagley has just shown some stuff these last few games since he came back, really from his injury and had to play just aggressive defensively. Man, just really getting after and really being a guy on offense. Like it's it's fun to watch. You know, I mean. Again, the team is so bad, you're, you're just grasping for bright spots, and mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley's play has been phenomenal. Um, the crazy thing about Jalen Turner, don't you think like his con- his career is going to be solid no matter which way it goes? But I feel like he's at like a crossroads where he can end up going the Tyson Chandler route or like the Clint Capella where they're like rim rollers, very good defensively, protecting the paint, probably more of a drop center than anything else, or the Bam out of Bayou route where they're – going to hurt you offensively and defensively like I I don't know which way Dern's going to go but either way I'm excited I'm pretty happy obviously I'm hoping for Bam but I don't know if we get Bam on this team with all these other guys with like Ivy and Cade and stuff so we'll see how it works out but would you be disappointed if Jalen Dern's career turned out to be more Tyson Chandler than Bam out of bios um no 
because Tyson Chandler was the defensive player of the year. Yeah, he was fun. Um, if that's if that's like the low end of his career, I don't think Pistons fans are really mad at it because Tyson Chandler was a solid rotation piece for years. Championship um, center too. Yeah, I mean he was a good player. Um, I, like I said, I, I I know we we talked about it and I, I mentioned the AD name and Pistons fans came from my head. <laughs> I, I won't mention that name again, but um. I think that's where he is right now. I don't think that's where he's going to end his career. I think he's he, he could be closer to a bam with rim protection. Mm, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I just can't wait to watch it all unfold. Sorry about the hiccups. Let's move on to news. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Detroit Pistons have signed everybody's favorite Piston right now, Eugene Amarui, for the rest of the season. I mean, again, we've talked about his future. We have no clue. This might be the only time we see him in a Pistons uniform. Honestly, look, I mean, even on the screen, he's still wearing his Oklahoma City jersey yeah they haven't done a Pistons yep. jersey yet <laughs> yeah that's how uncertain his future is in Detroit but man I mean where would you okay let's do this since we're we're having a lot of fun ranking guys let's go let's throw bet Braxton Key this is something they do on like the knuckleheads podcast where you do the cut trade or no trade um bench and start so do okay. Eugene Amarui Braxton Key and who was it again from like two seasons ago that everybody loved Jamarco oh, Tyler Pickett. Cook. Ty- oh, Tyler, Tyler Cook. Cook. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Start, um, bench, trade for those three. I'm starting Eugene. I'm – ooh, this is hard. <laughs> I'm benching Tyler Cook. Okay. And I'm cutting Braxton Key just because okay. I watched Braxton Key just kind of give up in the G League this mm. year. And that's a big reason why the Crews let him go. 
that's the big reason why they just like let him go. And I, I believe he signed with the Cleveland Charge. Okay, I thought if it was I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't remember. Uh, he he might have been. I, I yeah, that's it because uh, Jamarco Pickett's actually in Cleveland. So you're right. Um, yeah, man, like I I love Eugene Amarui. I know we had a conversation last week of. Um, him and Hamadou and yeah. like, what could possibly be if, you know, it, it does get too expensive from free agency to keep Hamadou. Um, but I think Eugene is the type of wing that the Pistons want to fill this roster with next season in terms of just like being a scrappy defensive player and uh, the ability to make a three-point shot. Yep. Um, I, I think that's what they're probably going to go in free agency and get and just, you know, get these wings. And I'm happy for him, man. Like, just scrapping, you know, being in and out of the G League, you know, signing 10 days with teams like OKC, you know, getting picked up on the waiver wire from Detroit um, because, you know, Jalen Williams is just playing out of his mind in OKC. So, you know, we, we get Amarui. I, I just kind of find it interesting that Troy Weaver goes to OKC for wings. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. Like, there's been a few of them, but hey. You know, he's he has a familiarity with that organization, probably trust the process and what they go through. So let's take a look at those guys. You know, like I said already, if this is it for Eugene Amarui, this has been so much fun just to watch. Like he's I mean, it's been such a crappy second half of the season. I mean, I didn't even think a team could lose as much as they have been. And I mean, I didn't even think a team could be out of games quite like the Pistons had been. And that's been disappointing. But Eugene Amarui, he's been putting on a show. It's been fun to watch. He's kind of cooled off a little bit, you know, since we really first started talking about him. Again, I don't know what his future is. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he can be a star and he can be starting on this team and he's a whatever. But, you know, I, I think you could be happy if he's like your ninth or tenth man. You know, like it would just be fun to have. Sparks your team every once in a while, hits a shot, but shows up every day and works like he's the star. So there's a lot to love about Eugene Amarui. Yeah, I I, I think uh, a lot of Pistons fans, they resonate with him because he's kind of, like I said with Isaiah Stewart, he's got that blue-collar mentality where yes, sir. And he's taking charges, he, he's playing every possession, he doesn't take a possession off, and fans appreciate that. And I, I think the team needs more players like a Eugene Amarui um, on this team just because he fights for every possession. Um, I, I love the way he cuts to the basket. Um, you know, just, just making the right basketball play doesn't really force anything. Um, I, I think, you know, him getting an opportunity to Detroit, uh, he may get another deal from another NBA team because th- they see that scrappiness. So, like, I'm sure a lot of contenders, um, if they saw more tape on him, he may, this may be in like an audition, kind of like how we picked up Christian Wood. Yep. Um, at the end of the, I think it was in the summer, and no one really knew who Christian Wood was. Like, if you were a Pelicans fan, obviously you knew who Christian Wood was, but he was just a G League star, and he ended up, you know, he got a big deal from Houston, got another big deal from Dallas. Uh, he maybe, you know, get a similar type of deal of where you know, like a, a contender or a playoff team sees a Eugene Amarui. And they're like, yeah, we, we could use a guy like him. You know, he, he's a good wing defender. You know, he can just put him in the corner and spot up for threes. I, I, I think he's that type of player where that's how a lot of teams would utilize him. Dude, either way, I'm going to be sharing his highlights for the rest of my time. You know, as soon as I see that, like three years from now, him dunking on someone overseas, because that's probably what's most likely going to happen, I'm going to share it with Pistons legend Eugene Amarui dunks over someone in Switzerland. 
you got to stop doing that Pistons legend shit, bro. <laughs> I, I know. Every time I type it out, every time I type it out, I'm like, this is so stupid. I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I do it. I do it every time. Yeah, like I saw that on Twitter this week. You're like Pistons legend. Uh, I think it was like Luke Kennard, and I kind of cringed a little bit. I was like, oh god, no! Don't tell me you fell into that Pistons Twitter toxic yes, toxicity with the Pistons legend shit. But okay, I only say they're a legend if they actually played. They're not. Not. I don't count preseasoners. I don't count guys that signed with the team. If you played meaningful minutes, I give you the Pistons legend mark because I think it's cringy. And it's also kind of funny. So I can't lie. I've done it like once and I was like, what happened to me? Yeah, you feel different. You feel it gets easier, though. I swear. <laughs> uh, the Detroit Pistons clinched top NBA draft lottery odds with a bottom three record. Okay, let me ask you this Is this a win? Is this successful in, as a, for Troy Weavers? This is success to get a <laughs> to get a top five pick and to clinch a top NBA lottery odds is that a win for Troy Weaver this year I think it's a win in terms of rebuilding because you can't fall be below five um no one's really going to catch up to you um I I just hope they win one more I don't want them like you know having the worst record in franchise history yeah. I think that'd be a really big stain just on you know just Detroit Pistons history um but I don't want us having the worst record. I, I I think if you look back in history, the team that has got the second worst record over the past three seasons has won the lottery. So yeah. I, I, I kind of want to be the second worst record because I, I want to have a better chance of getting that first overall pick. Because um, I, I feel like us being number one, we're like the, the narcissist, not the, like the negative, like part of me, I'm like, we're getting the fifth pick because you got like a 40% chance falling the five being the worst team. So does this mean they have the best odds of landing a top three pick? I, I think, it- let me pull up the tankathon odds. I know, um, like I said, your highest chance of getting the fifth pick is the worst record in the NBA. Yeah. So, they have a 14% chance of getting the first overall pick. The bottom three teams do. Uh, a 13.4% chance of getting the second pick. The bottom three teams do. A 12.7% chance of getting the third pick. The bottom teams do. And a 12% chance of getting a the fourth pick. The bottom three teams do. Now, they have a almost a 48% chance of falling to five, Lance. That's too freaking high, man. That's high. <laughs> well, what if, okay, but well, where are they going to, where would they go? Would they be the sixth? Would they get the sixth pick if they were number two, the second worst yeah. record? Okay. Yeah, so the second worst record, the the farthest you can fall is sixth, but it's only a 20% chance. See, that's it's, so weird to me. It's six and uh, a 20, almost a 28% chance falling the five with the second worst record in the NBA. But I feel like I'd rather still draft in the top five than the top six, even though it's. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, like worst comes to worst, you're drafting at five, and you either have Cam Whitmore or Jarese Walker on your team, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's not a bad consolation. Yeah, but it's just like I, I, I just have a feeling that like we're we're gonna fall. I don't see us winning the lottery with the worst record. 
Um, I, I think the last team to do that. Oh God, I, I, I remembered it earlier, but I, I don't remember. It was it was a long time ago. I the, the last time someone had the worst uh record, I, I think was like over five years ago that they won the lottery. Mm. Um if I do remember correctly. But you guys can always correct me in the, if I'm wrong in the comment section. I know you guys love doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think they go any lower than three. I don't think they get the first pick. I've said that so many times. I don't think that the NBA is not blessing the Pistons with the first pick in this draft. The market's not big enough for Victor Winnebanya. It's just not. Yeah. You probably, it's, yeah. it's just it, not. I saw the biggest conspiracy theory on Reddit with uh, Victor. What's that? So he plays for a team in France, uh, and their team logo is a B. Oh, okay. People are talking. They're like, what other NBA franchise is in the B family? The Hornets. That's why. Not... So th- th- this is how crazy this like Reddit conspiracy theory was. They think Victor is going to Charlotte. MJ is not going to sell the team anymore if he gets Victor. The NBA is gonna just give Victor to the Hornets, so they're not such a crappy ass franchise. <laughs> Dude, but I mean, imagine if the Hornets get Victor Wenabanya and he goes for making like what one point seven billion. He probably makes like almost three billion with him on the team, right? Oh, he's totally selling that value just skyrockets if they get Victor Wenabanya. I don't know if the NBA though, do they really want to get rid of MJ that bad? I mean, I know he's not a great No, they don't want to get rid of him. He I, I think he's just to a point where he doesn't want to run an NBA franchise anymore. He doesn't want to own an NBA franchise anymore. I think he just wants to retire, smoke cigars and golf. Like yeah, and who could blame him, man? That's the life. Like <laughs> You know, obviously, you know, owning an NBA team hasn't been, you know, successful for him. But, I mean, when he bought it, he bought it at a pretty low price point. And like you said, he could sell it for over a billion dollars. So, it, it, it's a good it's a good uh, business investment if you look at it from that standpoint. But if yep. you look at it from a standpoint of being a successful NBA organization, the Hornets haven't been that. It seems like every other year it was the Bobcats, then it was the Hornets. Um, it was just kind of like an identity crisis. Do you feel like you could turn a team around like the Hornets? No. No. Okay. <laughs> you were quick with that one. No, this moving to Seattle. Oh, I like that. Um, let's talk about injuries real quick. I mean, they're the same as last week. Bogey out, Achilles tendon soreness, Alec Burks foot, Isaiah Stewart, left shoulder, Hamidou Diallo ankle. That's terrible, too, by the way. He was playing so well. Cape Cunningham, lower leg. No news. Isaiah Livers is back, which is great. But, um, yeah, we have no no other news when it comes to injuries. So we can move on. Let's talk about Troy Weaver because he's been – dude, people are so funny when they talk about Troy Weaver. But, anyways, mm-hmm. do you want Troy Weaver to spend this offseason or wait next year to make a splash by signing someone like Jalen Brown? Yeah, so I th- this Jalen Brown stuff is very interesting to me. Yeah. Um. A lot of people have been trying to dissect what his comments have been. Um, If you guys don't know, um, Jalen Brown says he gets a lot of criticism from Celtics fans. And a lot of the Celtics fans throw the N-word at him when he doesn't do well. Mm. And he kind of like talked about it after a press conference saying like, you know, like they just don't, they don't appreciate me, appreciate me here. He's like, I know some Celtics fans are are loyal. He's just like, but if I I don't do well, I get Twitter messages 
you know, them call me the N word and stuff like that, which I just think is really unacceptable. Yeah. Um, it, like if you're a fan, like you, you shouldn't like, you shouldn't lower yourself to do doing that, calling people names, especially a racial slur like that. I think it's unacceptable as Celtics fans, but I mean, that's Boston's fans to the core. If we're being honest, Boston's fans are pretty trashy. Um, but th- there was an article from Sean Devaney and he had five teams that he could see uh, Jalen Brown going to, and the Pistons were not on that list. Oh, okay. Uh, so, well, like, okay, who were on this guy's list, though? And were they all contenders? They were all contenders outside of Atlanta. Oh, which okay. I, I don't really consider Atlanta contenders because I, I just think they kind of peaked. Yeah. And they had, like, one good offseason going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they decided to open the checkbook, and it's kind of backfired on them. And we'll see how it goes with uh, Dante Murray, too, you know? Yeah. I would love Jalen Brown here, by the way. Um, I I think a lot of people are like, you know, he's going to be a free agent in 2024. Maybe we we should just sign a bunch of one-year deals and try to, you know, get him out of Boston. Because there's talks about him wanting to kind of be the face of the franchise, like being the guy. Um, And I, I think... I would probably say 100% of Pistons fans would be all on board of signing Jalen Brown, giving him a max contract because he's in his prime. He would be a number one option next to Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. And that would kind of elevate the Pistons to being, you know, not so much a play-in team, but a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference because this guy's averaging 27 points a game, kind of playing next to Jason Tatum, not being like a number one option. He's a second option kind of like a second fiddle to Jason Tatum. I, I think if the Pistons went out and signed him, um, I think a, a tandem of him and Cade and Jaden Ivey and James Wiseman, man, that would be incredible for the city of Detroit. I don't know if the Pistons can do it, though. I don't know if they can kind of convince Jalen Brown to, you know, take less money because he can sign like a huge super max. I think it was like five years, $280 million I read. So he'd have to take one less year and less money to come to Detroit, but – Man, we can hope. And I got to delete those tweets about Jalen Brown. <laughs> <laughs> They're still out there. They're still mm-hmm. out there. Um, okay, what about this scenario? Let's say the Pistons get a top three pick, but they put that on the table for Jalen Brown. Mm. That's like the it, the package is centered around the top three pick. Oh, we can't trade our pick, though. Oh, that's right. Damn, we got to live with the pick. Yeah, we the Pistons can't trade their pick until it conveys uh, the, the Knicks owner pick That's in the Jalen right. Duran trade. About that. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like that. If you want to talk, this, this is where I, this, I know it's like a completely different conversation, but the Pistons during Troy Weaver's first year as GM, he traded Trevor. He traded for Trevor Ariza so he could draft Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, and the protections on that deal. I'm sorry, man, but. The fact that you had to take a, a deal where it was so heavy, heavily protected that you couldn't trade your first round pick, to me, I just I wouldn't have made that trade. I would have well, just been fine re-signing Christian Wood. But yeah. that's just me. Like I'm mm, a lot of things had like a lot of things have worked out though. I mean, you know, I mean it's hard to look back, but if you bring back Christian Wood instead of making that trade, do you get Kate Cunningham? Does Christian Wood mean yeah. You get too many wins where it takes you out of the running. You know, that's the only problem with that. And 
Plus, now with hindsight, you're right. Like, watching Isaiah Stewart, we know that he's limited. He's near his ceiling. So it's like, man, why did we why did we make that trade, and why was that so heavily protected, you know, for this guy that who knows if he's on our team in a couple of seasons, you know? But yeah. that was here. This is now. Um, it sucks, yeah, that we can't do that. We can't discuss trading, like, a top potential top three pick for Jalen Brown because that's kind of enticing. You know, Boston's had him and Jason Tatum working for a few seasons together now. I don't know if they ever win a championship, the two of them together, but – you know, Eastern Conference Finals. You know, that that was – I mean, they got to the NBA Finals. What am I talking about? But they lost. So, they have made it. They've got there, but can they get over the hill as the two of them? That That's what you have to wonder. But if you dangle a top three pick, like what we can't do, that that's pretty interesting. But um, back to my original thing. Do I want Troy Weaver to do some stuff this offseason? Yeah, 100%. And if there is just a small percentage – of Jalen Brown saying, yeah, I want to go play in Detroit. I think you wait this offseason. You hold off for a year. You try to play for the play-in, you know, make it more enticing of a destination for guys, and then you go all in on Jalen Brown. Because I think he would fit so well next to Ivy and Cade Cunningham. That would just be phenomenal to get a guy like him on this team. So do you kind of want to have the the Lakers approach from a few years ago where they, they just signed a bunch of guys to one-year deals? Just to keep, you know, uh, options open for, I, I believe it was LeBron they were trying to go after. And obviously they got him. Yeah. You know, everyone was signing one-year deal. So you kind of want to have that one-year deal approach, you know, give a couple bets, a one-year deal, try to push for the play. And if it doesn't happen, then just throw the bag at Jalen Brown and, and hope that he wants to be, you know, the guy for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the free agency, the upcoming. It's not that good of a class this year. It's not. It's really not. I mean, you might. I mean, I don't see anybody that I'm looking at the list right now. I don't really see anybody that I would really want that I that I think moves the needle that much. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at like a Josh Hart signing, you know, but that's a minimal deal. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't that doesn't break your bank. You can sign him, and you can still have money to play with later on. You know, but really, I'm not that excited. I'm not that excited about free agents. I would be willing to go the Lakers route, signing a couple guys to one-year deals, and then making a big splash next offseason. I, I, I'm totally down with that. That's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, there's guys like, you know, Chris Middleton, which I doubt Chris Middleton's leaving Milwaukee. There's guys like Cameron Johnson, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, yeah. that, you know, he's not really asking for a whole lot. I doubt he wants a one-year deal. He probably wants some more stability. Um, there's not a whole lot of guys in this class where you're jumping up and down saying we got to throw the bag to him. Like you're not going after Kyrie Irving because it's just look what's happening happening in Dallas right now. Um, Dallas might lose enough games to actually get their pick back from the Knicks. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. They're, yeah. I, I believe that that was the Kristaps Porzingis trade. If the pick is in the top ten, I, I believe they get their their pick back. So damn. Uh, I mean, and Dallas has lost. Um, back-to-back games versus Charlotte Hornets, by the way, with Luka and Kyrie. So it kind of shows you mm. what a disaster the Mavericks are right now. Yeah, I don't – like, to answer your question, I'm not – I don't really care so much for this year's free agency class. I'm willing to make a splash next year. Sign me some guys that can put us in play in contention. That's all I really want this upcoming season. Yeah, I, I think if you have over 30 wins, I think Pistons fans are ecstatic because they haven't oh. seen 30 wins in, God, I, I don't know, maybe since Casey's, like, first or second year. 
Dude, I'm celebrating. It's like a snow day, bro. That's what I'm doing. If they get 30 wins, I'm excited. It's it's really pathetic that we're so down bad that we're celebrating 30 wins. It would be a that'd be that'd be a huge improvement from this season. Yeah, 30. double our win total. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, man. Uh, let's talk about James Edwards' big board. Um, sure. Yeah, Victor Winnebanya, no surprise there at number one. Scoot Henderson coming in at number two, no surprise. Brandon Miller at three. Four, Jairus Walker. Five, Cam Whitmore. Pretty solid five to round it out. Now, is that are those guys that if the Pistons were to draft at one, they go Victor. Two, he's saying they'll go Scoot. Three, they go – that's what he's saying. That's interesting. I, I, I think he, he's saying, like, he was ranking them in terms of, like, where you would have them ranked as a prediction. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I guess you could kind of say that. Like, if they had the second pick, they're probably drafting Scoot, but they would have a conversations about Brandon Miller, even with his performance in uh, this tournament, which he's not doing himself any favors. No. Um, no he had a really bad. bad tournament. But I still think he's going to be a really good NBA player. I mean, I saw some people comparing him to uh, Jabari Smith already. I'm just like, dude, you guys, you didn't even watch March Madness. Like, come on. Um, But I I think that list is more of kind of like a ranking of like how he would have these players ranked. Um, I think both of us agree. Victor and Scoot Henderson are your number one and number two picks in the draft, regardless of where these teams are in the lottery. I think they're number one and number two. Um, I think Brandon Miller is the third best prospect. I mean, some argue it's a mean or a sore Thompson. I still think Brandon Miller will probably go three. Um, four is where I, I think it's interesting. Jarese Walker at four, and he didn't have either of the Thompson uh, brothers in his ranking. And I, his reasoning for it was, you know, the Pistons don't want to develop another guard. They don't want to develop more ball handlers. They 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 want to have more wings on this team. Um, so, I think I think Jarez Walker is interesting though. So with that being said, why would they go Scoot over Brandon Miller then? If they don't want to keep, I mean, I know that Scoot Henderson is not a project compared to the Thompson twins, and I like it too. Here's another question too: Do you think this big board is based on how Troy Weaver would also rank these guys? that he values more day one players versus projects. Do you think that plays a factor? Because, I mean, it would make more sense to have, like, the Thompson Twins ranked a little higher than when a draft big board just because of the potential, right? Yeah, I, I think this is more of a – it's kind of hard to answer this because I didn't make this big board. It's yeah. James Edwards' big board. Um, we'd have to ask him and have him on again for a third time. <laughs> um. Like, to your point, though, like, the reason why they would have Scoot number two is because he's still the second best player in this draft. Whether Pistons fans think Brandon Miller is the second best player in the draft, Scoot Henderson is the second best player in this draft. Um, he, he shows flashes, and, you know, you see the comparables of a Derrick Rose, yeah. of a, a Russell Westbrook, those explosive point guards that you see in every draft. I think Scoot, to me, would be a starter day one. He could contribute right away. Um, That's why I think James had him number two, because he's the second best player in the draft. Even though there's conversations of Brandon Miller, there was like a couple of weeks ago of him being the second best prospect in this draft. It's just talk. It's just smoke. I I, I think, you know, a lot of people don't get to watch G League games. They didn't 
watch a lot of his games this season. And, you know, the G League Ignite, they didn't make the playoffs. They were kind of one of the worst teams in the G League. But that has nothing to do with um, Scoot Henderson. It has to do with the team around him. It just wasn't a really good team, if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I, I think the reason why they wouldn't have the Thompson brothers in is kind of like, to James's point in his article, is they don't really want to develop another uh, guard like a Amin Thompson. Just because Amin Thompson has a lot of potential, but he's not as polished as a Scoot Henderson, where Scoot can contribute like Jaden Ivey's doing right now, right away. Yeah, uh, Amin is a guy that has two-way potential, but his three-point shot isn't there. Neither is a source. Um, a source a, a better three-point shooter, but it's it's really not there. I think that's why James didn't have either. Uh, Amin or a sort in his rankings. He had Jerace Walker from Houston and Cam Whitmore from Villanova. And I know, I mean, you were talking, I said I would just bank on Cam Whitmore because I know Villanova produces really good NBA prospects. So, I mean, who's your favorite? Forget Victor and Scoot. Out of these three, do you think the gap between Brandon Miller, Jerace Walker, and Cam Whitmore is closer? Or do you think the gap between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller is closer. Like, I, I mean, I think if Victor and Scoot are your one and two, does that mean Brandon Miller, Jairus Walker, and Cam Whitmore are closer? In the, are they in a tier two? Or is Jairus Walker and Cam Whitmore in like a tier three? Brandon Miller's in a tier two all alone out of these five. Like, how would you rank them in tiers, I guess? I don't know. I'm asking you a lot. Uh, I, I, I think if you're looking at a, a tier between a Brandon Miller, a Jairus Walker, and a Cam Whitmore, um, I think what you have to do is put Brandon Miller in that tier one of small forwards in this draft class. Okay. He's the best small forward out of this draft class, whether, you know, you, you, you think it's Terrace Walker or Cam Whitmore, even though Cam Whitmore plays more power forward. I, I think I would have Brandon Miller ranked one in terms of the best small forwards out of this draft class. Um, Terrace Walker to me has a lot of potential. There's a lot of similarities to Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant. It's like if Jeremy Grant and Isaiah Stewart had a baby, it would be Jerice Walker. Like, that's that's just um, what I see in him. I, I think we were talking before we went live is there's potential there, but you you would only really draft him if we fall to five. You wouldn't draft him if we're at three or four. You would, no, you would, yeah. You, you would draft him. Worst case scenario, you're having a conversation between him and Cam Whitmore, and I would probably bank on Whitmore more just because I think Whitmore shows flashes of being a two-way forward. And I would feel more comfortable drafting a, a Villanova product because I know they're proven in the NBA. So Cam um, Whitmore, uh, is he a two-way forward at the three or the four? He plays more of the four. Okay. But I feel like you could play him at three, but not every not every day. So I'm a little higher on Jairus Walker just because I feel like, one, he's not going to steal shots. He's not going to take shots from Cam, uh, Cade. He's not going to take shots from Ivy. He's going to get out of the way from Dern. He's going to be like what we were talking about earlier, Isaiah Stewart with athleticism. You know, Isaiah Stewart really like the, has that skill set where you really wish you could start him because he does all of the dirty things. He's that hustle player. He just takes an open shot when he has it. He doesn't overplay his skill set. He plays within the system. And I feel like you're going to get that with Jairus Walker. Four, some people might say it might be a little high, but – I mean, he's going to be a high-end role player at the at the worst in the NBA. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to be a multiple-time All-Star, but I think he's going to be a solid four-man 
that can play both ways. And I've said this before, like the reason I would take Brandon Miller over Scoot is because I, I believe you should draft for fit over best player available, even if the team is bad, because I don't want the Pistons to get stuck with three lead guards. Because yeah. then my, my you know, then it goes to like, okay, if they all don't develop, you have to trade the worst one off. And how much value are you really going to get for the third worst guard? that you're trading away. I mean, then on the other hand, it could work like Sacramento where they drafted De'Aaron Fox, you know, um, I forget the kid from Baylor, Davion Mitchell Mm -hmm. and Tyrese Halliburton that traded Tyrese Halliburton for, you know, Sabonis, who's an all-star big. It could work out that way. I don't know if it does. I don't really, really want to take the chance either. So I would rather go for fit. So, man, where was I going with that? With Jairus, so like going back, you know, that's why I would take Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. I'm intrigued by Scoot. I really am. I just – I don't know. I just don't want that. I mean, I, I guess, too, here's what I'm trying to say. I am I say that where I would go with fit over Scoot, but I know we have Wiseman, Bagley, Stewart, and Dern in the front court, but I still think with the front court we have, there's too much of a mystery. So I really wouldn't mind drafting Jairus Walker thinking – well, what if he takes minutes from this guy or this guy? I don't really care because I'm not sold on anybody yet. But in the backcourt, I'm sold on Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey where I could pass over Scoot for Brandon Miller and be okay with it. Sorry, that was a long rant. but I I think if we're going to go down this route, let's say, let's play devil's advocate. Pistons get the second pick, right? Yeah. I'm drafting Scoot, but I'm trading the pick. Okay. I I think – if you if you land the second pick and you draft Scoot Henderson, a lot of fans have had this conversation. We've had this conversation multiple times throughout this year. How can you play a Cade Cunningham, a Jaden Ivey, and a Scoot Henderson at the same time? Hypothetically, you could you could put Scoot at point, Ivey at shooting guard, and Cade at small forward. But yeah. we both know Cade Cunningham does not want to play small forward. No, Cade Cunningham wants to be a guard. And it's not to say he can't play small forward. He could. He's a two-way guy. But if you draft Scoot, you're either trading Scoot Henderson or you're trading Jaden Ivey. You cannot have three guards in your lineup and expect to compete for the playoffs. Cleveland drafted Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and back-to-back drafts. They drafted Isaac Okoro, and then they drafted Evan Mobley. They eventually traded Colin Sexton to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. Okay? So you can draft Scoot. You got to decide, do I want a Scoot Henderson or a Jaden Ivey? Because both of those guys can get you, you know, they can get you something. Yeah. Um, I think they're valuable. I, I think you can get a player or maybe future picks in return, but that's what you kind of have to ask yourself is, if I draft Scoop, do I want him on my team or do I I want to trade down? Maybe, let's just say, hypothetically, the Spurs are at three, right? And they like Scoot Henderson. You could trade Scoot to the Spurs for their third pick, and then you draft Brandon Miller and everyone's happy. Um, well, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Like To me, if I'm at two, I draft Scoot, and I'm making calls to see who wants him. But if you, but don't you think like if you draft Scoot, you kind of got to see how it plays out, because I know we have Ivy, and I mean Ivy's done it against NBA competition. He's looked good. We've talked about the development as a playmaker. You know he's going to be a fantastic secondary playmaker 
alongside Cade Cunningham in that backcourt for years. But if you draft Scoot, I think the I think you have to trade Jaden Ivey, especially when they're saying that Scoot Henderson is a generational point guard and all this other stuff, which I'm not buying. I don't buy that. But he is very explosive. He is very good. You see the shades of Derrick Rose. I even think when he's dribbling the ball because it's like uh, he has it on the string, he kind of looks like Steve Steve Franchise, man, in his early Houston days when he's dribbling the ball and, you know, breaking people down. It's, it's incredible to watch, but – you know, I'm kind of talking myself into Scoot Henderson. I just think if you land that second pick and Scoot is your guy, Ivy's out in Detroit. I, I think that's the case. I don't think it's Cade. I think it's Ivy. And, man, that's going to be tough, man, because I love watching Jaden Ivy. Yeah, I mean, like we, we talked earlier about trading the pick. Can't trade the pick. You have to draft the player and then trade the, the set player, right? Yeah. Um, Like I said, you, you can have these conversations as – if you get to, do you draft Jade Knight? Do you trade Jade Ivy or do you trade Scoot Henderson? Right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a conversation. I think a lot of Pistons fans are, um, you know, they're, they're intrigued with Scoot. They call him a generational talent, which yeah. we had that conversation last week. You don't view him as a generational talent. I can respect that. I, I think he's going to be a day one starter, and I think he's just going to put up numbers. And I think the rookie of the year race is going to be crazy next year. Um, with <laughs> it's uh, going to be, you're going to have Chad Holmgren and Victor Winnebanya going at it. And then you're going to have Scoot Henderson and whoever gets drafted in this lottery going at it. So it's it's going to be a really crazy rookie of the year race next year. Um, it's going to be fun. But with, with the with the Scoot thing, I, I think um, it's interesting. And I see why Pistons fans would take best player available. But to your point, I also see your point. You're like, I, I have my guards. I don't need another guard. I'll just draft the wing that, you know, that fits seamlessly next to my backcourt. Yeah. I, I think both arguments to me make sense logically. But I, I think when you're in the position that the Pistons are in, I just don't think you're in a position to draft for fit because you have 16 wins. That's and true. You had, you had 20 wins the year before and 20 year, 20 wins, uh, you know, the year after that. So I think you, you, you got to draft best player available, figure out later, see if you can get assets. Like we had Bravo in the chat saying, Hey, um, if you draft scoot, trade him and get assets for it, try to get more draft assets. Um, I think that's the right approach for a rebuilding team like the Pistons. Now, obviously we don't want to see this team rebuilt for seven years. Yeah. We don't want to be this. We don't want to be Philly. We want to see them um, compete sooner than later. But I think when you're talking about strategy of rebuilding teams, you always got to draft the best player available and figure it out later. I just, man, I just think drafting best player available, like getting three lead guards, could ultimately you just ultimately you know put yourself backwards a little bit. Especially if you can't, because teams know when you do something like that, you're not going to get, they, they know you need to make a move because you're not going to make it work. At some point, you got you have to make a move and teams will bite on it that way. And they will like, you know, back you into a corner. Because like that thing with the Cavaliers and Donovan Mitchell, trades like that don't happen all the time. You know, Donovan Mitchell wanted out in Utah. Utah knew that. Their hands were tied. They had to basically take what was available at the time. And 
you can't bank on that happening just because you draft Scoot Henderson. Like, well, we might get a Donovan Mitchell or we might, you know, I mean, we might get a, a Sabonis, you know, like Sacramento trade for which I brought up earlier. You can't bank on that happening. So, yeah, even though I know, you know, fit isn't everybody's, you know, the way they want to go. I just think it's even for a 16 win team, I think you have to look at it logically where you're like, okay, we, we, we need players at certain positions to finally get wins in this team. And, Drafting another lead guard, that doesn't put us in the position to win now. Yeah, but you have to look at it from this standpoint. Just because you draft them doesn't mean you're going to keep them. I mean, Charles Hornets drafted Kobe Bryant. They traded him. Yeah, that was crazy, too. Yeah, like, just because you draft them. Last year, when we were doing a live stream, we didn't know where we were getting Jalen Duran. You predicted it, but no one really knew that we were going to, you know, trade up in the draft. The NBA draft is such a fun time, and you really know, don't really know what's is. going to happen. Um, I wouldn't put it past Troy Weaver to you know draft him and try to see what he can get from other teams to get assets, get a player that can contribute day one, get a player that uh, maybe makes more sense for the Pistons long term, or get future draft pick assets. Um, I, I think when we talk about you know Miller and Scoot. I, I think a lot of fans are like, you know, you got to you gotta take best player available. You, you can't go for fit. You know who drafts for fit? A team that drafts for fit and it's in the lottery every year? The Washington Wizards. <laughs> yeah. And look where that has gotten them. The Washington Wizards draft for fit every year. And they're like in a cusp of being a playing team every year. And they're just kind of like a mediocre team. Even though they have Bradley Beal and Kuzma and Kristaps Porzingis. They're not a top seed in the Eastern Conference, and they're probably going to draft in the lottery again. Like, you, you got to take best player available and figure it out later. And I trust Troy Weaver will do that. And I think, um, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting with this draft lottery to see where the Pistons um, do actually draft. I think it's we're a month and a half away. It's going to happen in May, so I think they're in the playoffs. Oh man. Well, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting, man. It really is. Um, let's talk about a former uh, Piston real quick, Spencer Dinwiddie. He got an apology from uh, Stan Van Gundy. This was a kind of an interesting conversation he had with, what was it, Taylor Rooks? Mm-hmm. Said, yeah, that's who he sat down with. And basically Stan Van Gundy just apologized to him that he didn't uh, give him a fair enough shot at, you know, and – you know, just things like that. Like, it was kind of a weird thing for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie to talk about. But maybe you could share more because I'm definitely not doing it justice. Yeah, so I, I think with Dinwiddie, a lot of Pistons fans, either they forget about this time or they just kind of flushed it down there. You know, they just flushed it down because it was just such a dark time. Even though we did have Sam Van Gundy coming in, he was – believe he was replacing Maurice Cheeks or Lawrence Frank. I don't remember. Um, but we drafted Witty in the second round and we just don't use him because we had John Lucas, Steve Blake. And, you know, he, he kind of talked about it on a podcast with Taylor Rooks that he's just cooking these guys in practice and he just can't get any kind of time. He's like, I'm showing up to practice two hours early. I'm doing two a days. I'm doing all this stuff. He's just like, I'm just, I can't get any time. And I, I think Van Gundy reflected on it a lot since he's not coaching anymore. He's doing broadcasting. And he said that, you know, he took him aside and said, hey, you know, 
Um, it was wrong of me to treat you the way that I treated you. I should have given you more of an opportunity in Detroit. And I think it takes a real man to, you know, admit he was wrong. And I think a lot of Pistons fans knew that then what he had talent. Um, I, I remember a game when everyone else was injured and then what he actually did really well against the, I believe it was the Miami heat or the Washington wizards. And he had a double, double. Um, I think there was always potential and promise there. We just never really got to see it. And Van Gundy traded him for a guy that's no, I think he had maybe three or four years in the NBA and he's back in Europe. Oh, really? That's how, who was it? Who did he Cameron Barstow. Bar- oh, I know who you're talking about. I remember yeah. that guy. Yeah. How good do you think those teams would have been if Spencer did when he had been here, if he had been the lead man? I mean, like, let's just look back at that for a second. So the 14-15, this was the year. Again, Crown Butler was on this team. Holy crap, what a name drop. Um, we had Reggie Jackson, Josh Smith for 28 games this year. Contavious Caldwell Pope, Craig Monroe, Andre Drummond, Brandon Jennings, obviously for 41. Dishon Prince was back. But I mean, like, really, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, how high do you if he had been the man on this team, if this had been his team and he was the starting point guard? Do you, how far do you think he could have taken the Pistons? I, I think if they would have used him more, maybe you don't trade for Reggie Jackson. Yeah. I've always felt that way. I always felt that he was a, a guard. You know, before he did have his ACL injury, there was talks about him being a first-round pick. Yeah, lottery pick, I think. Yeah, because he was so dominant in Colorado. Um, he, he was just – he's a, a tall, taller point guard – couldn't really shoot from the outside, but he was really good at getting to the rim, and he was like an average defender. I think if they would have given him more burn in the NBA, the Pistons would have given him more playing time. I feel like they're probably not like being an eight seed, maybe they're a six seed, just because there was a lot of potential there. Um, you know, him obviously, you know, being a little bit taller, I think would give him an advantage. But I don't know. I'm not saying like they're winning a playoff series, but I, I do think that they would have had uh, more wins with him being in the rotation of him just sitting on the bench eating a Snickers bar. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to ask, like, if he uh, – like, I mean, the next year they had Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond, Contavious Caldwell, Paul. They had a good, deep squad the next year. And I know Reggie Jackson, he was the leading scorer. He was the guy at point guard. But, I mean, I don't know. I think we're looking at a possibility of, if Spencer Dinwiddie had been given the reins of the team and we'll just replace – I don't even think you can replace him at that time. He's only an average four points per game. But I do think that there's a universe where it works out with Spencer Dinwiddie and those dark times in Detroit before Blake Griffin got there, they're probably not so dark. They're probably a little brighter. You know, you might take different chances in the draft if Spencer Dinwiddie is your guard. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just – it kind of sucks that we potentially missed out on a – very good player for years in Detroit. Maybe he doesn't bounce around the league as much if he gets an opportunity in Detroit. Who knows how it works out? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of funny. Um, I thought Brandon Jennings was a good point guard for us, but obviously, yeah. you know, tearing his Achilles, that was kind of like the end of it. Even though he did come back and play a few games before we did trade him for Tobias, but I always kind of felt like, you know, he was a uh, one player that I never really understood why he didn't get any minutes. And obviously he had talked about it in the podcast saying like they were trying to win games. They weren't really trying to develop talent. 
Um, they they were trying to you know make the playoffs, and he didn't feel that I would give them a chance to win games. And he's like, I respect that. He's like, it's a business. I, I get it. But um, he said, you know, winning back to back game winners. He's like, I kind of got my revenge against them. Hmm. Um, like he's he he said he told uh, Stanley Johnson that he's like, I'm gonna hit a game winner against you guys, and he did back to back. So. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I feel for him, but at the same time, um, it's kind of like water under the bridge. I'm, I'm kind of like over that era. You know, obviously Van Gundy yeah. is no longer the coach. You got Coach Casey and even some people like some people are like, wow, did we take Stan Van Gundy for granted as a coach? <laughs> I mean, the I think maybe as a coach we did, but as a GM, hell no. Like he was bad as a GM. He was not good. It, it, I feel like he made so many decisions based on emotion. Like someone might have hurt his feelings in practice, and he's like, all right, cool, you're out. You know, that's what I felt like with Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, I mean, like with, with the Van Gundy era, he traded second-round picks like they were just candy. Like it seems like we were trading our second-round picks for like at, like any kind of like role player, like a Jameer Nelson or just like completely random. Like you, you could tell it was just like win-now moves like constantly. Like always trying to like put put ourselves in trades for role players, or you know, just trying to to win games. And I think that's where the organization was. They were trying to make the playoffs. But I think as a coach, to me, I, I think he was probably the most prepared coach I've seen, probably since Larry Brown and Flip Saunders, where he just um, got the guys the play. I should say the the Pistons in position to win every game. Like his preparation, I know a lot of players talk about it, that he was just such a well-prepared coach. Like he would give you a game plan for A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like he would give you a – He's a, Brandon Jennings was talking about it uh, on his Instagram story saying like how Van Gundy was so prepared. He would give you a scenario for like six different uh, – occasions if this player's going to do this this player's going to do that like he, he would just like he said it'd be like a stack of paper it'd be homework each and every game it's, because that's what a sicko van gundy is like he just watches basketball like crazy but i think as a coach he was good as a gm you're right terrible GM. he was terrible it's so funny that you bring that up because on the knuckleheads podcast quinn richardson was talking about stan van gundy's um preparation and how he would see a play that someone would run, and he's like, oh, they could do this out of it, and they would start practicing out of a different situation in a different set, and then Quentin Richardson would be like, they don't even run this. He's like, but they could run this, so we're going to prepare if they do run this. They were like, man, he's a madman, but he's a genius when it comes to basketball and preparation. It was pretty cool to hear about that. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out with Stan Van Gundy. Imagine, though, him and, like, a Troy Weaver, though, working together, building. That would be just nasty. It feels like they would just figure it out. It would be crazy. Yeah, like I said, I I think he kind of got a raw deal in Detroit, and I think some people, they kind of associate him with all the bad draft picks, and they should. But as a coach, he's probably the best X and O, X's and O's coach um, in the NBA. I think he's a he's a very smart guy. I mean, he, he learned from one of the best in Pat Riley, who we all know Pat Riley is one of the, you know, best – you know, coaches in NBA history, and he's a really good GM too. Oh, um, absolutely. So, you know, he, he learned under the Pat Riley tree, but um, I don't want to turn this podcast into a 2014 Detroit Pistons podcast. No, neither do I. I'm <laughs> still looking at the stats, and I'm like, I can't believe we watched it. 
Well, let's look at the week ahead of games. We have sure. Bucks at Detroit on Monday. So if you're listening to this tonight, Pistons at Thunder Wednesday, Pistons at Rockets on Friday, then Pistons at Magic on Sunday. So we have a four-game slate. Do you see any wins this week from the Detroit Pistons? I could see us messing around the winning the Magic game. Yeah, they always seem to put up a good performance against the Magic. Yeah, a couple uh, punches. Uh, I could see them. I can't really see them beating anybody, man. The team is just so down with injuries. Yeah, they have I no know. consistent offense coming in. I mean, I I don't see. I think they go zero for four this week. They don't even give a chance to any of these teams. Okay, okay. Well, well it's always oh. interesting to see the Magic come to town, or if we're in Orlando, whatever. It really is. We'll see though. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, go on. Where they can find it and where they can support it and rate it. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to the Pistons Talk podcast. Go to Google, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. But after you hit the subscribe button, do two things. Leave a rating or drop a review and leave a rating. But more importantly, tell a Pistons fan. Peace, guys. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.